You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Traxxas The Running Podcast, where we talk everything within the running world, as well as chat about athletes and coaches' personal life. We can't see feedback for podcasts, so please leave a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. That'll really help us out, or send us a DM on Instagram. If you're interested in track and field and don't follow us, then you can see all our links in the podcast description, where to find us on Instagram and YouTube, where we post daily content. Enjoy the podcast. First time on the podcast, I am a new guest. I, I can't really call you a guest. I, I guess it's more appropriate to call you a co-host, seeing as though yeah. you are a member of Trackster. Um, so would you like to introduce yourself for the people who might or may not recognize your voice uh yeah hey guys i'm max boyer uh, i'm a senior in high school over in manhattan kansas and i'm a runner and i also do photography videography anything really running related that's what i do so here at Traxta, i'm hoping to help better the sport and make it uh more accessible for other people yeah i think just for some context um on our Instagram we get a lot of people DMing us news or DMing us reactions or like comments on our posts and I'd say you're probably in the top five most frequent people who reply to our stories and stuff like that so I think just people out there you're someone who's really highly engaged in the running community or track and field community I guess um and that's pretty cool and obviously you also went on the Ben Crawford on well, I, don't, I can't remember what was the camp called it's kind of like new gen camp that's what new gen camp yeah new gen workshop running workshop yeah which i'm sure can be i'm sure was an amazing experience and i think me and ben have obviously spoken before um and he just said how much he thinks you're you've got a great future in the sport so i'm just happy to have you on trackster um rather than ben having you in new gen or exclusively (laughs) claiming you for new gen i'm not going to stop you from doing work with new gen I think that would be stupid of me. So, but yeah, I think for anyone who doesn't know, Max, I mean, yeah, just probably I'll leave a description uh, uh, in the description for your Instagram. Your photo account is your same. It's the same as your... Yeah, at uh, Max Boyer photo, which before I didn't really take photos. So it was funny that my name was that, but now it's photography. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully... Other than this podcast, a lot of big things to come. We're probably hopefully going to be working a lot of things behind the scenes. Um, this is quite a new thing. Like it was only recently announced that you and Pierce were joining. And then we've also got some other people as well who will also be coming on the podcast soon to talk about, I guess, joining Trackster and sort of 
their excitement but we just came on today because we saw like well you've got snow day that that's your school so we're like let's just let's just do a podcast hopefully turn a bit into a youtube video and see how things go so i think yeah i guess we can get straight into it if you're happy with that and i did actually and this is i'm going to call them out on the podcast because this has never happened before the first subject we're going to talk about is cole hocker and cooper tears american record and i actually contacted them both in a group chat together and i don't know if it's because they're in a group chat together and they both read it and didn't reply which i'm just going to say i'm calling them out right now that is just disgraceful from both of them um uh, i'm very disappointed in them both because every other time we dm them individually get back to me straight away this time they've both read it not replied which hurt so i actually hope they don't run the american record i'm obviously joking that i hope they do but do you think first of all they can run the american record which is bernard lagatz and it is 349.89 for some context i definitely think they can run the american record and it's not because i got to meet them last summer i just think after the Milrose Games 3K, they showed potential just to race with the pros anyway. Last year, I think it was about a year ago, that they ran the collegiate record in the top two times. Um, and was it top six and seven in the world ever? Or I don't know for sure. Was it six or seven or seven and eight. I can't remember exactly, but it's, it was one of them. Yeah, so I definitely think they have already shown us in the past year that they have what it takes. But I think after... The Milrose games they just showed that they're also ready to race against the pros and if anything they only need each other to do that so yeah I think they definitely have a chance to break it and I has Cooper already ran 350 before yeah Cooper and Cole are both around 350 and I think obviously Cole's 331 um in the Olympics probably helps him and gives him a better case to break that record ahead of Cooper but we obviously saw Cooper beat Cole in a kick on Saturday at the Milrose Games. And then also Cooper beat Cole last year for this, I guess, the same, let's call it the same race. I know one was at Arkansas, but the the mile they did last year in 350, Cooper did come out on top on that as well. So I guess, who do you think is most likely to break that record out of Cooper and Cole? I, I'm going to sway to Cooper just, I think. Don't know why. It's just in my head that it's going to be Cooper who gets the record first. Yeah, it's funny because you mentioned how you're kind of hoping that Cooper won the Milrose games, and I was too. I think it's good to have that balance between both of them. And so I'd probably, I don't know, I, I think I'd go with Cole on this one. He's They're both very fast at um, like the 1500 and other things too, but I think Cole has the edge on the speed aspect of it, even though he got beat last weekend. But I also think because he got beat last weekend that he's, going to be really hungry to just come out on top and I, either way i know that it's going to be a great race but i'd probably go with cole cole seems like someone who just goes for blood like he just seems someone who just races so like he's just fearless in what he does and running is such a different aspect to what he's like as a normal person and like when he's on the track he doesn't care about anything he's just doing like one goal so i i, I do agree with that um it is going to be a good one and imagine if they do something like they did um, last season where they both run under the American record. I think that'd be pretty cool uh, to have two Oregon Ducks go one, two. Um, there's a dog barking in the background, which is good that we're warming up because if this was on the YouTube video part, we'd have to have a cut, but I don't really care for podcast listeners because it doesn't really matter. But yeah, I, I personally think I can't decide actually. I was going to say Cooper, but I don't really want to call it either way because I feel like anything could happen between them two because they're so close together. And obviously, that's why Latsrum thinks they're the same person half of the time. 
uh, which is the thread I saw anyway. So American record is one thing and the world record is another thing. And that's 347.01. Yomif uh, Kajelcha has the world record. Do you think that's a possibility or do you think that's a bit too far out of the reach of the minute? Like personally, I think when it comes to Cole, especially, but also Cooper, anything's a possibility at this point. I think they're like we mentioned before, Cole really is just like going out there, doing whatever he wants. Like his arms are always swinging at the end. He's pushing so hard, doesn't care about his form. He just really goes out there and tries to win every race, as does Cooper. And so I think it's a possibility. I don't know, objectively speaking, if they could, just because it's such a fast time. And I think they possibly can like later. I don't know like what type of shape they are in right now, considering that Beamish beat them. Um, yeah. But they probably have a pacer or something like that during this. And even if they didn't, I think it'd be a little bit different if it's just them. I don't know the details on that. But I, I definitely think it's a possibility. I don't know when necessarily they do it, but I think they can do it at some point. Yeah, I think that 347 is probably can be achieved by, I know we saw Ollie Hoare in the mile against Josh run a 350 or 349, I can't remember which which way it was but like he could yeah. probably definitely run it at some point if he had a if he had a race i think Jacob, we could obviously see run it timothy chariot so it is a record to be broken and i do think cole and cooper probably are in the argument i don't think they'll get it uh in chicago purely for the fact that i think they'll be paced for that american record and they'll race for that american record and you know two and two two seconds is quite a big difference when you're sort of relying on basically kicking like they'll have to close in the 26 and i don't think that's going to be too doable when they're going at 349 mile pace so yeah I'm, I'm going to say the records the world record's safe for now but i definitely probably would put them comfortably under the american record i'm predicting probably like a 349 low for the win um which would be good i mean 349 for the mile is depressingly quick from someone who's run a 354 for the 1500 like myself but yeah i mean yeah it's going to be fast and yeah. Do you have any time predictions? Like what, what time would you think they could possibly run like best case scenario? Uh, I don't know for sure. I'm not the best at predictions. I'd say maybe 349.6 or so, something like that. I think it's definitely possible. The other one might be right under the American record at like 349.75 or something like that. Pierce is definitely the one for predictions though. So we'll have to ask him later what he thinks on that. But I definitely think it'll be like right below it. Like, I mean, 340, like you have that two second ish, three second uh, difference between the world record and the American record. So I think they're going to be somewhere um, around the low 349s and like high 348s. Yeah. I, to be honest, while you're talking about the predictions, we need to probably add myself, you and Pierce to the, the thing we're doing with trials and miles where we're doing the prediction contest, because I think that's pretty cool. And it's good to see, where the gauges, because I, I would never have predicted what happened at Milrose. Like I thought Kerr, I know Hall's great inside, but I think Kerr was going to take the, the mile. And I did think El Puria was going to win the, the the women's mile. So I guess I would have got one right. But I think it's cool to have sort of that competition. And I think we're going to add an aspect of um, followers as well. So we're going to keep like a follower score. So like do a follower poll and then see how that goes into it. So yeah, we'll add ourselves to that because I think that's pretty cool. Like just to see like a league table of competitors and see who's got the best predictions. Cause at the minute, Ben Crawford and Emma Abrahamson are top. And I kind of don't like that. I want Ben to be lower. So yeah, maybe we need to get in it. It's, it's not right. 
meeting Ben Crawford, it's not right that he's at the top of a prediction contest. It doesn't make any exactly. sense. <laughs> yes, man. But I, I had Kerr also winning it. And then I think my predictions and David Melly's were spot on. I had Beamish, Cooper, and Cole in the top three. And uh, I just I didn't necessarily write it down or anything like that. I was just thinking like Beamish is the person to win it other than those two. And then I for sure had Cooper winning over Cole. I think it was just like, I want to see him win before, you know, Cooper was winning all the time. And then Cole comes out here, dominates. And I, I really like the back and forth element of these two when they race together. So yeah, I had Beamish, Cole, or Beamish, Cooper, and Cole. So we'll see I mean, what happens next with these races. That's spot on. But I actually wanted to ask you something about this because I'm sort of conflicted with, Beamish saying that he knew the gap would open. He knew Cooper would move out. But I think that's a risky move to play because Cooper never really moves out. And if he didn't move out, Beamish would have come third. I don't think he would have got round them on the outside. So what's your thought on that? He would have had to like sprinted through or maybe got in trouble. I don't know for sure. But something I heard from my high school coach's uh, husband, who's also a uh, coach for cross country and then does timing for races. He said the gap always opens or always widens. And so maybe that's true. That's what he thinks. I've seen it before. Uh, I don't think Beamish would have necessarily won in that case if Coop had just like held his own in lane one. That's something I always try to do in my races. And, you know, I'm not racing pros. It's just something that I was taught was to stay on the inside. My coach would say it during my races and no one would get by. They'd have to go to the side or I would. Uh, sometimes do the opposite of a Paul Chalimo and like cut in and not, I wouldn't, I don't try to cut people off often, but sometimes I do. And I'm known on my team for cutting people off. So I think if Koopa just maybe stayed in a little longer, it would have been all right. But I also think that he was worrying about Cole and didn't even think about Beamish. So I, I don't think it was like kind of Craig Ingalls where he was necessarily cocky or confident. Um, and Craig just didn't pay attention because he thought he had it. But I think Coop was definitely worried about Cole more than Beamish in that case. Yeah, I think, to be honest, if if Coop, I know this didn't happen, but I think if deep down, if Cooper came fifth and Cole came like seventh or sixth, I think Cooper would still have been happy with the race just to have a, like an edge on Cole. I guess knowing that he plays sick for the Olympics, even if you don't have the best race on the day, knowing that you're sort of ahead of Cole again is probably good for their rivalry because I think it's obviously a friendly rivalry but they're only going to push each other forward more and more um so I think that was obviously his main goal and I don't think they're going to be disappointed with both running sub 740 as a season opener for their debut yeah. with Nike either that's a pretty pretty solid uh season opener like yeah like you know you know Cole wants to win you know Cooper wants to win they've said it before you can see it in their eyes and even then I think whatever really would have happened with that, whether it was a, a third place finish or a fifth place finish, if they had ran a good race and a good time, they would have been pretty satisfied, but because they're at this level, they oft also would have wanted to, you know, win, of course. I mean, who doesn't want to win? Yeah. Yeah. I think now, I mean, I got really hyped seeing Grahalva, Mance, Cooper and Cole as the top four at one point. I thought that was just crazy to see because obviously all NCAA runners going into yeah the pro and that was so cool and obviously I think it is cool to see that they're already stepping up from NCAAs and sort of taking the jump of competing for the the pro circuit they're actually going straight from NCAAs to trying to win the pro circuit which is a a whole different like 
dynamic because it's your sort of NCAA competition and then you sort of wean into the pro competition. It normally takes like a few years to adjust, whereas they've just jumped straight to the front of it. And it's just crazy to see that they can are capable of beating all the pros who have sort of been pro for a few years. I just think that's really cool to see. Maybe that's just bias because you see them on videos, you see them, yeah. you know, but I just think that's really cool. Yeah, which in my opinion, I think, you know, Mance should have gone pro a while ago. I think uh, Nagus should also be pro. Yard, he definitely should be pro, but we'll have to see what he's, I think maybe he's trying to, you know, win another championship or win. I don't know if he won one last year. I, I don't know if I can say another, but if he's just trying to, you know, get that NCAA dub and um, further his contract offers for when he goes pro. Yeah, cause I I heard, and I'm not going to give anything away because I guess it's someone's told me when they shouldn't have told me, but I heard he was signing for a brand and I got told he was signing. So I think he's probably doing this, like you said, to improve that contract, which makes sense. Why wouldn't you, especially when Cole and Cooper are out of the way? It definitely opens up for you and the goose. Like he's got to be the favorite for the mile, you'd think. Um, yeah, Nico Young, these other guys there, but Yard is just right there with everyone, if not at the top. Do you know who looks scary? Elliot Kipsang. Saying he looks I love scary. So, yeah, Yard's got to be a favorite. I mean, he what did he run three thirty? He soloed a three thirty-five, didn't he uh, last year? So. I remember yeah. hearing about him last year. I was like, who is this guy? Which people knew about him, but I was like, he's not running with, he's not Cole and Cooper, but he's right there with them. So it was insane to see him rise up in the ranks of at least the American. Uh, the, I, I can't even speak. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it was it was nice to see him rise up just in the ranks for NCAA running. Yeah. And I think, I guess another part of that would probably be him trying to get the record in a mile like it's 350 maybe it's a stretch but you know if you can get the NCAA record at 350 it's going to take a while before that's get that gets beaten again so I can imagine that's in the back of his mind just sort of try and get those records and that definitely helps the contract as well and I mean records I know they don't stay forever but for years and years to come if people are setting their bar to try and beat Yao and the Goose's record that's got to be quite good for his brand in terms of being a record holder I guess yeah and he's definitely um gonna want to do something uh, insane even more than what he did uh, last year because he didn't race in Tokyo and so I think that might have some effect on him to where he still wants to show that he's at the top and not just show like well I made it to the Olympics but I never actually raced at the Olympics you know yeah and I think his uh 354 negative split mile probably sets him up quite well I think he did what the two minute opening half and then a closing to 154 so yeah, I mean, he's definitely right there. Um, yeah, to be shot at, though, that's always a tricky thing, especially indoors. Anything can happen when you're on the start line. So, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. I probably would pick him favourite. But obviously, while we're on the subject of NCAAs, I do want to get into the, I guess, the main portion of the podcast, the, the, the one we're hopefully going to turn into a YouTube video. I did have to just check my, check my stats. So I'm going to read some, some figures off to you, and then we'll take it from there, just because these are, crazy and I want to know your opinion and sort of I want to break down some of the areas of why this might be and why we think it's a continuing trend and that is how are people running so fast like and I say this as a question we know about super spikes we know maybe some people are on performance enhancing drugs I don't like saying it but let's be honest it's probably the case 
maybe there's competition driving people so other people are getting better so others uh, there's also the factor of an olympic year driving again people forward to train harder so i want to get into that but first i'm going to read this 50 people ran sub eight minutes over the weekend in the NCAAs. There's never been 50 people in a season to ever do that prior. And 50 people in the NCAA did it this weekend. Just think I about that. that. I didn't even know that. <laughs> I had no that idea. is the first point. Oh, it's, it's either this weekend or so far. Um, yeah, it is this weekend. It was either this weekend or so far this season, but I'm pretty sure it's this weekend. You've got the Youngs, you've got the Shamans and in high school running ridiculously fast. You've got 357 as the current standard to qualify for the NCAA mile, which is unheard of. You've got Aragawi, who just broke the 5K world record on the roads, beating Joshua Cheptegei. And then he's just soloed a 726 indoors, like a random race. He just soloed a 726. And he went through the mile in 356. So you can imagine the pain that does going off that fast and then having to carry on. And then you've got Kip Blimo's half marathon world record, 57 minutes. 57 low. And then you've got Gedai's half marathon record, 62 minutes. And I mean, there, if you convert them to any other time in any other world record, they are at the top, like they're unheard of times. And so I want to find out why this is because the obvious one I want to talk about first is super shoes. In terms of racing, we've had super shoes for three or four, four years now. So we know the standard is there. We know super shoes have improved at times, especially on the road, but we've had them probably the same level of super shoes for the last two years at least. So why are people still getting faster if it's the super shoes? What are your thoughts on that, first of all? Yeah, it's interesting because like you mentioned, like past three to four years, we've had these super shoes. We haven't had dragonflies, um, so that might have affected these times. But at the same time, there's people running fast times with victories. I don't remember who exactly, but I've seen multiple fast races and people are not wearing super shoes i think they just they definitely have a um are having an impact on the college running scene specifically and the pro scene too and so i don't know how much of that is the super shoes but i definitely think there's at least a small portion of these fast times that are um, coming from these super shoes whether it's based on racing or recovery like people are able to use these spikes and these dragonflies during the workouts and not be as tired and, you know, therefore uh, train faster. But I definitely think they are having an impact, but I also think people are just running faster. I think, like you mentioned, we just had the Olympics and now we have the world champs coming up in Eugene um, this uh, incoming summer. And so there's all these uh, things that are uh, like combining to cause these fast times and it's, you know, super shoes, it's the Olympic year. It's the world champs year. There's um, people finally getting to race again. Like some people haven't raced since 2020. Mm. And so being able to compete again is also, I think, helping all this competitiveness thrive in uh, the track and field world right now. It is. And if you think this year is crazy, like we've had the Olympics and the world championships, we have now got the world championships this year. We had the Olympics last year, the world championships this year the world championships next year, the Olympics the year after that, and the world championships the year after that. So COVID has completely messed up the schedule entirely. And we've got championships every year for the next, I guess from last year, we've got championships for five years, which- It's insane to think about. 
it's mind blowing, but the, the level of competition that is going to create, and we're probably talking about people who are maybe 16, 17, and no one's ever heard of before by the 2024 Olympics, they might be even running quicker than what we're seeing now. And also people younger age, like Cole, you could throw into the mix. Jakob is a bit different because he probably has been training like a pro since he was eight years old. So he might not improve as much, but you've got him, you've got Kiplimo, you've got Aragao, who's just come through. So the times we're seeing now are probably something that is going to be completely different in two years, three years. Even if super shoes don't advance, I 100% agree. Even but the point with dragonflies is we have had them since 2019, though. The prototypes, the pros are wearing them in 2019. So that's 2020 and 2021 with dragonflies. Um, and obviously we now have Adidas spikes, Puma spikes, ASIC spikes, New Balance spikes. I 100% agree with you. I think the main thing is the people can train in these spikes and also race in these spikes and recover insanely fast. That is the, I think the biggest benefit is the recovery between training and racing. And that allows you to be more consistent, avoid injuries, I guess, train more if you have to race more. So you get more chances. So I think they're sort of the contributors of the super shoes on the track and then on the roads, obviously we know the super shoes have a massive effect on times over 10 K distance. Yeah. The dog was just barking, so I had to, I'll edit this bit out because of this YouTube, but the dog's barking, so I just didn't want to talk over and it. So spas here, and then I'll mention the Invincibles. Okay. I'll just, shall I, I'll finish, what did I finish on? What did I, I said. You, you mentioned the, the shoes and the recovery mostly. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll just imagine that I said, uh, yeah, and obviously we've seen over the half marathon and 10K distances. I'm a bit skeptical skeptical on the roads if it helps over 5 and 10K because Ronix Kipruto has the world record over 10K in a standard Adidas flat, and he did beat Chepsky's world record when Chepsky was wearing the next percents. But definitely half marathon and marathon distances, super shoes, you're talking 30 seconds to a minute, maybe even more. But I'm a big believer in the fact that it has been training and reduced in injury because of super foams. And also reduction in recovery time because of the super firms again, just allowing you to do more and be more consistent. And also, I think your point, what you're about to make is it's not just the racing shoes we're talking about now. Yeah. And I mean, even without the racing shoes and without these vapor flies and these streak flies and whatever flies they are, we have the Nike Invincible, which in my opinion is the best daily slash easy trainer ever created. I was recently talking to Tim Rossi about them and uh, Scott Gravitt from Lincoln High School, which is where Charlie Towns is at in Portland, Oregon. And it's it's like they put super shoe. I don't even think it's like they put super shoe technology into a daily trainer. And I think it's the best shoe to come out this year. And I think it will continue to be a staple in the distance running world. And I think the the, the Invincible itself if you take away the Zoom X foam, the upper is actually a pretty awful shoe. Like it's not a very good shoe other than the injury prevention. Like it's very clunky. It's not very agile. And if they work on that and improve it while keeping that stack height with the Zoom X foam, it's just going to get better and better. Cause I think it is the best shoe. It's definitely not the nicest shoe to run in. Cause it does feel kind of weird sometimes, but it is by far the best shoe to do easy miles in recovery. You feel better after running than you did at the start. Even if you're not running like even if you're on like an easy run or a steady run, like you're talking not like ridiculously slow, you are for you feel better after the run than you did at the start. And I've never had that in my entire life with any other shoe. Um, so I 100% agree. And I think 
people are starting to catch on, but like a lot of people didn't really know about the Invincible or how good it was. And I think the Infinity React is partly to blame for, blame for that. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Because Nike were like, this Infinity React is going to reduce injuries, it's going to make revolutionize mileage. When in actual fact, that is the Nike Invincible what is doing that, not the Infinity React, which I actually don't like at all. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I agree. Yeah, I like the Infinity React, but I actually rolled my ankle in that shoe uh, last spring. And that's how I was out during my uh, junior year of cross country, which I still love the shoe. But I've yet to even roll an ankle in these infinities or in these uh, invincibles. And I think even if I did roll my ankle, I think the shoe would stop it from um, being a season ending injury. And I heard from a few outside sources um, at Nike that this shoe has been in development for about five to eight years and is just now finally being released. So I think there's been a lot put into the shoe. And yes, I think Nike's marketing was interesting because they really did market the um, Nike Infinity React as the shoe that wouldn't cause injuries and would help injury pre prevention. And they even had, you know, all these full video ad campaigns showing these uh, testers testing out these shoes and talking about how it didn't lead to injury. And I think they definitely should have focused on this Invincible because I think it's the next Infinity React for Nike or Pegasus for Nike. Yeah, I understand that. Like Nike, sort of, like you said, Nike. I always say Nike or Nike. Nike. <laughs> yeah. But they were working on that for so long. And I've heard from another source, and I can't say who, Nike of Nike have got a storm of things coming this year and next year. Like we've sort of seen them stagnate over the last few years and let the competitors catch up. But I've heard they're about to just completely blow everyone out of the water again in terms of products and also events or experiences. I don't know what to call it. But like it's apparently it's going to be a game changing year for Nike, which just excites me because they're probably still at the top. Like you've got Adidas, New Balance, Asics specifically creeping up, but I feel like they're just going to take off again. And then it's going to be another step of all the brands catching up and so on. But it's going to be an exciting year uh, for yeah, sure. They're, and they're they're definitely at the top, like you mentioned. Like they're they're here, but you know Adidas and on running. You can't forget on. They're just kind of slowly climbing the ladder or the tower, whatever you want to call it. And so they're like right here. And yeah, this year, Nike's just going to take another step, kind of like On has in the past year or so. And so it's, it's definitely think, interesting to see their rise. I think On, we're, I'm working on a project about On specifically uh, for like a documentary style video. But you, you've seen what they're doing, like Helena Beery. That is a huge move. What they did at the Milrose Games, huge. Um, the, the spike huge so on i'm going to say going to be right up there as well which is great to see because the more brands the more competitive it's just exciting and on in terms of the coffee club uh in terms of day from ritzenheim just everything they've got is just working so well and hopefully their shoes become good soon because at the minute they are 
horrendous. Um, but and when we talk about injury prevention shoes, I'm pretty sure on shoes probably do the opposite. I don't think I can legally say that because it's definitely not true, but that's my personal opinion on it. Um, but off, off sort of the shoes particularly, let's talk about other things why you see people running so fast. And the second one I've got here is the lack of races throughout 2020 and meaning people didn't taper as often and maybe focus more on an aerobic base. And we've also seen from Norwegians and especially the Ingebrigtsens how important that controlled training is. So do we think sort of a collective of training improvements following the Ingebrigtsens and the Norwegian uh, scientist um, sort of the studies of that and as accelerated performance and also the fact that people have been able to work on aerobic bases because they haven't been racing. Do we think that's a, a cause as well? Yeah, I think that definitely is something that is uh, affecting these athletes and yeah, just having that base can really help um, these people run fast times, even without doing very much speed work. I've seen some people run in, incredibly fast times for their age and, and just in the sport in general with just aerobic training. And I think because of this lack of racing, people necessarily haven't had something to, or in the past didn't have something to race for. And so they just kept, you know, doing these easy runs and these aerobic runs and just stacking up their mileage. And as we all know, mileage is key to having a good, a good career. And I think especially something people might leave out, not everyone, but some people might leave out the fact that doing these long miles for such a long time and a lot of these aerobic miles that are going to build your base is going to help you have a long career in running, whether it's track or cross country or road racing. I think the fact that some of these athletes have been putting on 50 plus miles, 70 plus miles since their first year of college or high school is definitely going to help them just have this longevity and be able to race in times like now. Yeah, I think sort of consistently building up the mileage is constantly that I don't know what words just came out of my mouth. That was crazy. But athletes consistently building their mileage, sort of being able to afford more time to do that rather than trying to brush it, prevents injuries because they're doing it a bit more controlled. And it's ultimately got people at a higher level of fitness before they get, let's say, tuned up for even 1,500 metres, like 1,500 and 3,000 metres. My brain's going mental. 1,500 metres and 3,000 metres and 5 and 10. It's funny because generally in the 800s, obviously Affing and Keeley are an exception, but especially in the men's, we've kind of seen slower times. So it's crazy how we've seen massive improvements in the distance events. And also technically in the sprints, like you've got Elaine Thompson uh, crushing it, but it's weird how we've seen these improvements. And I'm guessing it's not just the shoes that are having that effect. And like the training is a massive thing, a massive component. And I do think it's probably changed. And then also, obviously, you've got the competition of other people are getting better. And if people are getting better around you, you're seeing how are they getting better? You start asking questions and seeing what they're doing and then changing what you're doing to suit that. And it's just a, it's just like a domino effect of a cause and effect of someone getting better. So then someone else gets better. And then maybe someone who's a bit younger sees what they're doing. And then in two years time, they'll be better and so on like that. So I think it's a place where people are going to get faster and faster and faster. And, and because of these lack of races, a, a lot, a lot of people have not competed. And so you have all these people that want to win. And this leads to 
the levels of competition rising. Everyone wants to be a winner. Everyone wants to go out there and prove themselves. And they've been waiting for months and sometimes even years to prove themselves. And so this, this uh, lack of racing is leading to the competition rising. And, you know, as you mentioned earlier, as the competition gets better, people look at ways to get uh, match their competitors and try to be better than them. And it's just going to lead to faster times. Yeah. And I think that's the key, that's the key sort of component. It's having multiple reasons to get faster because let's say some people in Kenya might not have the ability to see like, I don't know, this is extremely disrespectful, assuming that they don't have internet in some places, but they were not going to be able to yeah, see what's happening in the NCAAs. America. They won't be able to see what's happening in America and seeing all these fast times. But they've also got people in that training group. And even say, for example, Kipchoge's group, they have they can look up to him and see what he's sort of doing. So it's different continents are also improving for different reasons. And it's just a massive combination of everything at once. I don't think we've ever had in history, the combination of the things we've got going on right now, where people are just going to run crazy fast. Like you've got the lack of opportunity now. So that means people are more hungry and more opportunities are coming. So people are just going to take that opportunity. And because of that, instead of some races where they might be like, oh, I'm going to run a bit more tactical. They're now going, I don't want to waste this opportunity. I'm going to run my heart out. You've got shoes, you've got technology, you've got everything. And I'm just excited to see what happens in the next three, four years, because I think we're going to see so many records get broken. And I think it's just going to be crazy for the sport. And hopefully we can cover it as best as possible. Um, but yeah, I just, it's going to be a few great years, I think, um, in terms of just combat competition and what we see. And I think times are going to get revolutionized. And I'm, I'm hoping it's not going to be just fixated on wave lights and shoe technology. That's my, yeah, that's my hope. You have not only just the competitive and the racing parts of the sport changing, we all know that there's kind of like a renaissance with uh, running culture right now and things just everywhere are changing. There's all these YouTube channels. There's all these podcasts. You have the coffee club podcast. You have the running pod here at Traxta. You have Sidious Mag podcast. There's all these different platforms um, that are taking control and they're going to affect the way that people view the sport and hopefully bring in more outsiders, not only in America, but just in the world overall, whether it's through podcast, YouTube video, television. And so I think because of this, the competition is going to get better and there's going to be more money for these athletes to race for hopefully too. Yeah. And I think especially um, the world championships being in America, probably let's say the, it's probably the powerhouse country. I said America, it's USA, probably the powerhouse, powerhouse country of the world in terms of being able to captivize a market, being able to influence people. It is probably the biggest in the world. So to have that there and no one will do a production, no one will do a social media push with all the creators there. Like you've seen, like, I think you're the, at the forefront of innovation in terms of social media in that area. And I think that's just going to be the best scenario for the sport being in a historic place like Eugene as well. Yeah. Nike Eugene are going to do a massive push. And if no one's read like shoe dog, shoe dog or read up on the Nike history, you, you know, Phil Knight's going to be doing some crazy things for Nike this year. Um, so yeah, it's a great year for the sport. Moving yeah. on from this, because I could talk about this all day because I find it really 
cool and like you said again the videos more people more creators is vastly important as well but coffee we posted about this today and i'm shocked with the response of how many people don't drink coffee and i guess as well as that how many people don't even consume caffeine in other forms not even rungum but how can you not have rungum if you don't have coffee it doesn't make sense have you not seen nick simmons's youtube videos um so firstly i know i've asked you off the podcast are you a coffee drinker because i want to speak about my experience with coffee as well but then also sort of talk about what people have said why they don't drink coffee um like many of these people in the comments i am not a coffee drinker i am a tea drinker and a run gun run gum consumer so let's talk about run gum quickly do you enjoy run gum do you think it's sort of a solution to sort of fuel your caffeine rather than coffee you know people people say it doesn't help or the aftertaste is bad all these things i like it some people don't like it i think it's good it seems to work for me and here's the thing that i think about with caffeine and all these other um forms of energy i think if you think it works then it works it's it's like that placebo effect whether or not the run gum actually works it doesn't matter to me because i believe it works and so it gives me some boost in confidence no matter what so if i took caffeine before my race and the caffeine did work that's great because i believe it works anyway so it, it doesn't matter for me whether or not it works personally i think it does but i also think that run gum might not work for other people and that's why they should consider consuming coffee or another form of caffeine that is a big thing like i've had people say it a lot how like it, it's a placebo and if it's placebo i say great i believe it works that's even better because i believe it's going to work and psychological psycho, psychology is such a huge part of the sport and if you believe it works like you said it's it does work that's simple as that it will work if you believe it works i know that's sort of it's not going to work if you don't believe you're going to get a stress fracture because you're doing 150 miles a week. And just because you don't believe you're going to get a stress yeah. fracture doesn't mean you won't get one. But in this case, the placebo effect is hundred percent right. And also I don't want this to be a wrong gum ad, but I was actually shocked with how easy it is on your stomach because chewing gum normally gives me stomach problems and run gum doesn't do that. It's, it's, it is strange how great it actually is. And it's a very good product. And I think it's very smart for releasing run gum because it is a, a really good product. So and we're not yeah. sponsored run gum at all or anything like no. that. We're not paid to say anything here. And I've told myself to avoid saying things like that because if someone wants us to say something, they need to pay us to say something because now Nick will be like, oh, we don't need to pay them because they're already going to talk about it anyway. So, but yeah, the, Nick, the here you the go. Troubles. Here's your free press. We like yeah, run that's, gum. That's all we're going to say about it. That's the only free press press we're going to say. Um, not that any many people will be listening this late into a podcast anyway, but you know, yeah, let, let the people think that there is. Um, I personally have so much coffee and I don't see that as a bad thing. I know people say you don't get addicted or reliant on it, but it's, if you're addicted to, or reliant on food or drinking water or breathing, it's not a bad thing. And coffee is just something what actually, if you have black coffee, um, it is actually good for you. And there's science behind that. And a lot of people say anxiety, and that's fine. If you get anxiety from coffee, then don't have coffee. Um, but for me, I don't, I don't get anxiety from it. I, I would say I'm partially addicted to it because at the end of the day, caffeine is a drug and it is addictive, but also I'm not relying on it. Like if I didn't have it tomorrow, I wouldn't really, it wouldn't implicate my life, but I just like the taste of it. And 
I like the health benefits. It's got a lot of antioxidants in. It's really good for your liver. Uh, obviously, you get an energy boost. And also, it's good for heart health. And I know that's a stigma because a lot of people say, like, I don't want it to increase my heart rate or stuff like that. And it, obviously, if your doctor says don't have coffee because of your heart, don't have coffee. I've got a heart uh, condition. Coffee doesn't affect it at all. And that's just my personal thing. But it's shown that having three to four cups of coffee a day is opt this is optimal for heart health like black coffee i would never have four cups a day but i have like two but like it says optimal for heart health if you have four cups of coffee a day it reduces the risk of like heart disease by like 23 percent or something crazy like that and obviously there's yeah. other factors and it's limited to the studies but like there is signs that coffee has many many health benefits as well so it's not necessarily a bad thing to be addicted to it there's a lot worse things to be addicted to, I'd say, um, than coffee. That's my opinion on coffee, anyway. And to ask you a question, one person mentioned about 11 minutes ago on the recent post, they said tracks to where are the references for your studies? So, I mean, what I would answer to that is, I mean, it's all over, like that you could pick so many different sites, but do you have any specific sites that you want to point out? Let me, let me go on my search history because I just try to, I don't like getting information from one site because that could be biased and stuff like that. So let me just say some of the sites I did um, go on earlier, if I can find it. So the first one is John Johns Hopkins Medicine, which is, if you just search hopkinsmedicine.org, that is, that is the first one uh, that I looked at. And it's what are the top health benefits of drinking coffee? So that's the first one, if anyone's interested in finding that out, I use that one first. The next one I looked at was Healthline, which is, I mean, it's in the name. It's like a wellness uh, website. So that was looking at the benefits of coffee. But this was like sort of a critically analyzed part of coffee. Like it says here, it's it says the reasons why it's benefit, but then it also says for some people this doesn't work, et cetera. Um, and the next one I used was, oh, where is it? I've got too much internet history. I can't find the one I used, but basically I use free sources. And if anyone is interested on a particular health benefit, if you've got any, I guess, issues with coffee or you want to read more about a certain subject of it, I have got, uh, I could probably find it in my search history for you. So just message me on this podcast after this podcast, sorry. And I'll tell you exactly where I got that source from. And also I'll probably send you a few more studies to read about because I'm one thing I am is a huge sort of, I don't like using the word geek, but I'm a major like geeky nerd when it comes to stats and sort of health and performance improvements. So I'm a, I'm a big, um, I'm a big pusher of coffee or black coffee anyway. Um, but yeah, so if anyone is interested on the sources or any more information, then I'll happily send it across uh for everyone so yeah i just want to say that because and it's a good question actually because I, a lot of people blindly just say things and joe have you do you ever follow those like business insiders or like crypto exchange and it's like if you invested 10 billion 10 000, um, pounds today and invested 10 percent each day by their age of by the age of 30 you'll become a multimillionaire. stuff like that it's just like useless mm -hmm. facts or like pointless stuff and it's just and the the source is uh trust me bro <laughs> yeah trust me bro or like i can't even remember some of them are hilarious like 
just I see some and they're always like 200k followers 300k followers and they just get likes off nonsense and I feel like they deliberately do it because they're going to get comments but hopefully the stuff we tend to say isn't nonsense and that's why I also included that third slide of reasons people don't like coffee bad some people upsets your stomach it's a diuretic so it's dehydrates you so you need to make sure you're drinking more water stains your teeth that is a big one stains your teeth no one wants stained teeth not a fan of that one not a fan if someone can create clear coffee i would buy stock in that instantly but then that'd be kind of weird and horrible i guess so yeah there's there's many reasons um to have coffee there's many reasons to not have coffee I don't want people to see it as like a stigma, as it being bad. And if you prefer tea to coffee, I think you're extremely weird and you shouldn't prefer tea to coffee because tea is on a whole lower level than coffee. And I'm British. I'm saying that from a British point of view. Britain, our stereotype is we have tea. Coffee yeah. is 10 times better than tea. Someone even it's... asked you if you were British at this. They, like, they don't even know if you're British anymore. But... I don't think I am. I honestly yeah, don't it... think I am. Does Kipchoge drink tea or coffee? Because if so, if you when you get him on the podcast, you might have to mention that. And you're going to have to say that he's not as good because he drinks coffee or tea, whatever it is. So Kipchoge drinks tea. I, I think he drinks coffee as well, but he drinks his own tea. He grows his own tea, so I can let him off. If he's, if he's growing his own tea, he can drink his tea. I'd, I'd drink, I'd give up coffee if Kipchoge personally gave me his tea um he had a brand it would sell especially in kenya but also yeah. in the u.s runners Kip, would, every every high school boy and girl would be like well i got this tea so i'm gonna run sub five now or sub two it's it's so obvious kipchoti kipchoti it's kipchoti it makes sense it just makes sense and the kenyan colors black green and red are also sure. the colors of pg tips in the uk so you've already got a brand in there. You've already got a tea brand there. So yeah, yeah. Kipchoge dropped the tea, um, and I'd I'd buy. Surely that's going to do numbers. Like anything Kipchoge does would do numbers. But I think while we're on the subject of this, I know this is my mind racing. So many more athletes should do that. Like, so many more athletes should just like drop. Like I'm trying to think of an example now. Kipchoge coffee. dropping tea. Yeah. If coffee, coffee, coffee. yeah, coffee club just dropped drop coffee, sold out. So people need to do stuff like that it's genius and it's a way to sort of drive individual athletes um business or revenue just improve their revenue so and i guess that's the question of this podcast if you are still listening dm myself or max with a runner and what brand do you think they should start i think that's quite a good engagement thing and i'm going to try and have a think as well on the spot if you can think of anything quickly say it before we uh wrap things up but i don't know for sure but we definitely should get a post out asking people or showing people uh brand ideas and asking them which one they would actually invest in or buy i think that's today's post i think that's tonight's post maybe tomorrow's depends on how quick we can work on some graphics but yeah if, if you let us know and obviously keep a lookout for the post as well and we'll do the graphics for it hopefully you'll be able to tell which which post it is um, is there anything else you'd like to finish on? I feel like this has been quite a good podcast to say the time we've been going. So I don't think I have any 
sports. Uh, I mean, other than, of course, I'm excited for track and field, especially this year, but just in the next 10 years, I think things are going to change at an even faster rate than they already are. So very excited. Yeah, I completely agree. And hopefully we can keep up in terms of trackster and I guess also individual running. That would be nice to sort of yes. keep like, up with I people. Think, I think I, I was talking to Charlie's coach yesterday and he was mentioning how like Charlie, Charlie's, if you don't know who Charlie is, he's on uh, a Portland high school cross country team. He runs with the Aiden City, who is a um, Oregon commit. So that should help you figure out who he is. But anyway, Charlie's a friend of mine over in Portland. And he just grinds it out running and has always been working hard. And even then, he was still only the um, number eight runner on their team. Never made number seven. He's, he'd been grinding since like new gen camp in June, trying to get that number seven spot. And he didn't get it. But he has all these other things going for him uh, outside of his own running. And I think that's what's great about the sport is the fact that you can be a runner, but you still are not only a runner, just like you have Traxta and I have new gen and um, the love squad and all these other things like i think all these athletes are going to keep building their own brand and working on themselves with not only their times but just with their um, personality and all those things uh, yeah and i think we've been gifted i guess the root of it maybe tim man i guess maybe paved the way for people but also new gen i think covid helped i guess tracks to sort of helped as well because a lot of Instagram accounts started making, started after we started. But yeah, like no. I found you guys back maybe freshman year of high school. I'm a senior now, around there, maybe sophomore year. And I was, I was just telling some friends about this. Like I remember the first time I saw Nugent, first time I saw Traxta, I was like, what is this? Like this, I want to know what it is and I want to see more of it because I, like I was just getting into the sport, like seriously after middle school. And I was, like wondering where I can find news. And I, the first person I knew about was Mo Farah and he was like my idol. And then I see tracks to come out here and I was like, I want to be involved with that. I want to know more about that. And I think, I think the sport's just in a great spot right now. Yeah. You, you said, is Mo Farah still your idol? Is he still? Uh, I mean, he's one of my idols, but Kipchoge is just, yeah. Yeah. Kipchoge. There's so many people. There's Bryce Hopple. Bryce Hopple ran at KU and uh, that's that's where KU is like an hour and a half away from me and then there's uh, there's Cooper Tier, there's Cole Hawker there's all these guys and there's uh, the the women too there's Shalane Flanagan she's been a big one for me there's Sinclair Johnson big fan of her and just a thing I, I knew about a thing even back in uh, my, my freshman year of high school and so I, I saw her breaking these AAU records and I was like who is this girl I was like I got to watch out for her now seeing that she has an Olympic gold medal is just insane, but there's, there's so many different personalities in the sport. And I think that's why they need to be explored further. I think that is the best thing now is you actually know these personalities and before it was just medals and times. So now you actually know these personalities, or at least it's getting there. Um, but yeah, I'm going to end it on that. So if like you said, message us with your ideas of any athletes who start brands and what they would be, uh, thank you for coming on, Max. Obviously, again, link in the description if you want to follow him. Uh, hopefully, we've got big things to come on Trackster and also you're working on, I'm sure, many things as well. Like, uh, I feel like everyone, especially new gen, just, yeah. Um, don't even know what I'm going to say. I don't even know what I'm saying. But yeah, thank you yeah. for listening. Goodbye and have a nice day. And please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts.